everyone, welcome to Girl Things Podcast. I'm Naomi. And I'm Erin. And this is a space to chat about navigating your 20s and 30s, being a young mum, relationships, and everything in between. Join us, two lifelong friends, for weekly episodes to dive into the highs and lows of life. Hi, everyone, welcome back to Girl Things. This is episode 12. Wow. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about. Our funny little anxious brains and how they play tricks on us. Um, we're going to be talking about our both of our journeys from a mental health perspective and the different kind of things that we've both had to navigate in our, I guess, kind of late childhood teens and then mm. moving into our adult lives. Talk a little bit about the things that we've experienced, how we kind of manage those, how we have managed those in the past, and then also how we manage them now when we've got full, busy lives to navigate. I've got two children that I'm working around and you've got a full-time job and Tony. And, the and a Tony. home and yeah. a social life and yeah. all those other fun things. Yes. Um, so we're going to get into that in a minute. But first, Nimi, what's your high? What's your low? What are you loving? Alrighty, my low this week is just a little bit of a vertigo attack. I get these maybe like once a year or so. Um, and Erin, you've experienced vertigo. Mm. Actually, a lot of people in my lives have. Um, it's not for fun. those who don't know, it's really just such a gross feeling. You just kind of feel a little bit dizzy and kind of out of it because these little crystals in your ear canal get sort of unbalanced. Um, and yeah, so I'm just sort of. The crystals are out of whack. The crystals are out of whack. Someone realign me, please. <laughs> um, I'm actually over it. I've had it for like two weeks. It's okay during the day. It's not super debilitating. I've definitely had it worse before where it's like, mm. oh my gosh, I feel like I can't get out of bed. But yeah, I'm just trying to be mindful of how I move my head and things like that. Uh, so that's my low. But my high is I had a really, really beautiful afternoon yesterday with our number one fan jc love you babe um but yeah we just sat in the sun before he got there i just sat in the beautiful autumn sun afternoon sun and i just did some nice sort of stretching and i listened to this healing sounds spotify playlist it was really wholesome i had an apple a mandarin it was just you know it was just nice i was by the water it was just I just felt really grateful for living in Sydney and it's it's giving vegan influencer. It's giving vegan influencer, yeah. <laughs> Charging up my fruit from the sun and uh no, it was so That's nice. So it was just nice. nice to like have a little me moment hmm. in the gorgy sun. So that was my high. And my something I'm loving is the drunk elephant rosy dew drops i think that it's that's not actually the name but it's the vibe like it. um yes it they're will be linked so nice can confirm you use them every day yeah love them also they're gorgy gorge they are it's almost like blush highlighter combo but with like skincare ingredients it's a really really nice product yeah and so like i find if i put blush on my face and i don't have anything under it like any base makeup mm. it like it's a bit it's it's a bit funny but these I can like literally just put those yeah. on and it sits on my skin so nicely yeah and it's not a full-on blush it's just like a nice subtle kind of pinky glow to the skin but buildable yeah very buildable yeah this is actually an episode on the drunk elephant yeah <laughs> so we're gonna go through all of the drunk elephant products that we love I do also really love the 
bronzing drops as well. They're so I've only nice. ever used the blush ones, but yeah. I really like them. Yeah. Um. All right, Love darling. That. What about you? What's your low? What's your high? Um. I'll start off with my high. Uh. It was Mother's Day on the weekend, which I know can be a tricky day for some. So sending lots of love to those that do struggle. But uh, on the weekend. We didn't do anything crazy exciting. It was just nice to have a day mm. um, where everyone had to look after me. You yes. know? Um, Even though you spent four hours building Lego for Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, no, it was actually nice because Mella was asleep and it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. But it was just nice. They bought me Brecky in bed. Mars cried that he wished it wasn't Mother's Day because he just, you know, wasn't vibing it that day. Um, but no, it wasn't. It was a really nice day. It was just good to um, take it slow. Um, and then my low of this week is kind of tracked itself throughout the whole week. But it is mellow just honestly having like the four month sleep regression at 18 months old she's never been a good sleeper but she's particularly bad at the moment it is killing me um up till 2am last night just just chilling just trying to make her unholy it wasn't nice and last night was the definite low of all of it because I was at my mum's place and Enrico wasn't here to help so it was just me and I was very tired, but that's fine. That's that's just, motherhood. It just blows my mind because you tell me these stories and then when I see you, I'm just like, how do you look so glowy and beautiful? Because both no, of my tell kids me. are... <laughs> because both of them are shit sleepers and Mars is four, so I've... Like, this has been my life for four years. But you just... You don't... It doesn't even... You don't look weathered. Like, I just feel like if that was happening to me, I'd look 75 years old. You wouldn't. You get used to it. Your body just... Adapts. Yeah. Really... Well, mine has. So yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, I feel tired though. Yeah. But anyway. Um, God, and you just then, keep battling on. It's really incredible. I know. But it's just, I feel like with Mellow, it's like she's one and a half. There's light at the end of the tunnel now. Like, yeah. you know, Mars started sleeping through the, through the night consistently when he was three. So I've only got a year and a half left. Oh, my <laughs> Lord Jesus. I'm hoping after I wean her, after we get back from Euro, um, that... Yeah, I don't know. She'll sleep. Anyway, mm. uh, I am something I'm loving is the, I don't know what it's called, but I think it's the Essie uh, cuticle oil. Mm. It's like in a nail polish bottle and it's apricot oh, flavored. Yes, no, Beth has used this on me before. It's so nice. Like, it's it actually smells really, so good really as nice. Well. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I need to get one for me bag to carry around. Um. I just wish I was one of those people who took, like, really good care of their cuticles, but... Do who? People do Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm do... sure there's people that have really cruisy lives that just sit around and apply cuticle oil, but that is not us. I wish it was, but anyway, not me. But that's what I'm loving. Now, let's jump into the episode, shall uh, we? Yeah, we shall, darling. Let's, let's go. go. Okay, uh... I guess firstly I want to acknowledge that life is tricky growing up is tricky being in your 20s is tricky being a teenager is tricky uh so yeah we're just kind of gonna chat a little bit about our individual journeys obviously want to acknowledge that we don't have any sort of really severe debilitating mental Mm. health issues uh but it's more just an episode just kind of to discuss those kind of life anxieties that everyone goes through you know your coming of age period in life can be really tricky 
also both as people we've navigated some rough kind of seasons Mm. I think around mental health has taken a little bit of a hit Mm. uh yeah and I think just on that both of us have navigated those rougher seasons at different points in our lives Mm -hmm. and I think that um gives us a point of difference but then also helps us have a lot of empathy for one another Mm. and for other people going through similar things so on that um did you want to you want to kick off yeah sure I guess uh from a mental health kind of perspective I've always been a little bit anxious I was Mm. quite an anxious kid like I cried at nearly every sleepover that I went to um and wanted my mum to come and pick me up and she never did (laughs) why I have some kind of anxious attachment style she's a Um, she's a tough love queen she's a tough love kind of gal yeah uh so yeah she never picked me up she just made me deal with it (laughs) don't know if that was healthy or not uh because now I just get anxious basically every time I'm not like sleeping at my my house yeah I get really kind of that actually would be like I obviously know that about you but that would be hard to navigate like, it would yeah. put a real damper on things, oh, like, even, feels, like, planning a holiday. Yeah, it just feels, like, a little bit limiting. I do think in recent years I've gotten better at it. It's kind of exposure therapy. Mm. I just – that's how I try to see it now is, okay, well, yes, it makes me anxious, but I'm, like, just walking into the anxiety, which, funnily enough, I had a little sesh with my gal, Liz, yesterday, and she was like, you know what, sometimes, like, just walking into the anxious feelings or mm. the situation is, like, really freeing mm. because you can build it up in your mind to being something that's bigger than what it is, but if you're walking into it and it's kind of like, oh, okay, I've walked into it, it's actually not that bad or that anxiety-inducing. Like exposure therapy. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yes. So... Did you, did you, do you remember like the point when you, cause you, cause I feel like in your teen slash later teen years, you, you didn't struggle with like such debilitating anxiety. And I was saying this to Ellen a few weeks ago, one of my friends, we went to Thailand together. I Mm. did not feel anxious on that trip at all. And it was just like two young girls, like trekking around Thailand. I got like my ears pierced. I, we like, we didn't do any like crazy things, but now as an adult, and someone who's maybe a bit more anxious. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. I could have gotten some crazy, like, blood-borne disease or something from oh my getting God. my ears pierced in this dirty, like, <laughs> there dingy she is. There's tattoo. There's the anxiety. That's my anxiety. That's, yeah. that's how my anxiety kind of manifests in things like that. It's so um, interesting because it's like sometimes that kind of anxiety might save you. <laughs> and yeah, other times that's where it's a it tricky really thing. holds you back. Yeah, I think there's space for anxiety being quite a healthy it's a no- it's a normal to experience some level of anxiety about like specific caution. things. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I guess sometimes mine can be a little bit on the other end of the spectrum where it's just a little much. What do you feel like was the trigger for those anxious feelings? Like obviously you were a really anxious kid and then it kind of dissipated in your kind of teen years. And then what do you think was the trigger for that? Like really coming back into your life quite heavily? Because I feel like it was like sudden like mm. or do you think it was a slower build-up maybe it was a slow build-up that you just didn't talk about um, I don't know I think going through everything with Cell as well like when you lose someone in your life that's so young and healthy and you lose them to something like cancer it's a really sort of harsh reminder that like life is really short and mm. like anything can happen at any time mm. um, and so that was something at the time that really consumed 
me a lot, obviously. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> surprisingly, um, the death of a relative is really shocking um, and someone that you love so much. Yeah. But, yeah, I think going through that experience probably contributed to feeling more anxious about things. Mm. I think as well, like, I experienced a lot of indecisiveness in my life and I was a teacher for a little while and I really hated that um, and I think that created some kind of just like imbalance in my life where I wasn't doing something that I truly felt like I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and so that kind of contributed to like a negative headspace. And I remember, I think I touched on this on in another episode, going to Melbourne with Tony. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've I never experienced anxiety like that in my life. I was like chugging rescue remedy. I was, <laughs> I couldn't even go into a shop and try something on because I was just crying. I was basically crying the entire time I was there. It was like an extended kind of panic attack. Oh, it was so that awful. That sounds awful. Yeah, it was. And I remember coming back and we hung out and I yeah. just cried the entire time. And it was so tricky for and me. And I remember you being like, I'm so, f- like, part of it is that I'm so anxious. I feel so unbalanced and I'm so frustrated because I don't know why this is happening. Yes. And I think that's the tricky thing about mental health sort of stuff sometimes is you don't know the root cause of what's like leading to these feelings coming yeah. out and it's frustrating which is like really like, disconcerting a yeah. lot of the time it's like why do I feel so cooked like mm. why can I literally not stop myself from crying it's that out of control feeling that's really confronting to me yeah and same. oh my gosh I am really thankful I haven't experienced feeling like that probably since I went to Melbourne which was what like five or six years ago um yeah not that level of no like, not that level yeah yeah um, and then I kind of just, like, moved out of that kind of patch. But, yeah, just on and off, I've been an anxious person. I've definitely felt, like, really depressed at times and really, like, just disenchanted with life. and Which really was obviously low. a side effect of, like, deep, deep grieving. Deep grief, yeah. That's – I can say, like, the post-losing post cell, I've never felt, like, more depressed. I actually remember sitting in your lounge room and it's almost like – you feel like there's just, like, a fog in mm. front of you constantly. This is how I felt anyway, mm. like, post-losing cell and just, like, going through that whole kind of experience. Mm. Yeah, it's like this fog that kind of, like, doesn't dissipate and you feel really I, – I felt really just out of it. Mm. I didn't feel connected to anyone or anything. Nothing was bringing me joy. I felt really just, yeah – like lost almost um yeah and that was really shit like that's I've never like that feeling of being depressed is really awful mm. yeah it's so funny though it's just like I didn't really do it I think that's the thing with mental health stuff sometimes it's just a time thing as well a lot of the yeah. time it's a lot of just waiting it out and just kind of getting through the day and trudging along and just sort of like picking yourself up and like laying in bed if you need to lay in bed or crying when you need to cry and just kind of like waiting for it to pass. Um, yeah, I think I think as well when you're someone that, you know, for you, you're generally someone that tries to look on the bright side. Like you're mm-hmm. a pretty like, you know, when you when like you're like the party, you know, you you're very like happy and like social and things like that. And I think, you know, as someone that was on the other side of that, like, watching you go through that. Mm. That's, like, such a, like, 
so grown up. Like I, I've I've obviously experienced the loss of a family member, but I was so much younger, and yeah. I think you were so grown up. You still had to navigate like real life, like mm. friendships, like a job, mm. like you were in placement for six weeks. I think mm-hmm. that watching you have to like just deal with all of that and then also be like wow I'm a shell of a human Mm -hmm. but I also want to show up for the people I love and you know people that really need me right now like it was like painful to to watch Mm. like it was really hard to like experience you so vulnerable like because Mm. I've never seen you like that before yeah yeah I think a lot of people felt like that yeah a lot of people were like, oh, well. Yeah, I think it was. Nimi, where are you? And I was like, I am in a deep, dark depression, babe. <laughs> Catch you in a little Catch while. you in a few months, maybe. I don't know. But but it was real. It was like, it was shocking. I mean, it was like it was. truly shocking. It was truly shocking. Yeah. And I think as well, there was this element of like, I've had such a deep, like I'm experiencing such a deep loss of someone I was so close to and loved so, so deeply. Mm. But I'm also watching my brother go through losing like the love of his life, which was so confronting. Um, And it was also tricky because obviously we have like our parents and our other family members and stuff, but he was very much like needing me at that time. Um, And I think I was sort of his go-to kind of gal, which is like such an honour and a privilege. Uh, to have been that person but it was also so fucked up like yeah absolutely emotionally um absolutely and then and then as like people who love you like for me and for tony like wanting so badly for you to experience the feelings that you were having mm. and and talk and and you know heal and all of those things it was so hard being like you know, your brother needs you, but also you need to think about Mm. you. And yeah, that was like, it was such a rough time. Mm. Like it's always a rough time losing someone you love, obviously. Like so many people have lost um, people that they love, but it was just so, it was such a hard thing being like them for you to be like the main support person for someone. And then also like truly need like quite a lot of support. Yeah. Yeah. It was a wild time. I feel like I've sort of somewhat like blocked it out of my mind mm. a little bit because it was like Sal passed away. I had a week off like uni and stuff, which just somehow like conveniently worked out. I had like five days off before I had to start placement again. And I was like, do I go? Do I not go? Um, and like other people in my life, like just try and like keep up with what's happening in life as much as you kind of need to have some space. I was really thankful for those like five to six days that I had. But yeah, then I was just like thrown into this like emergency department, like full time, like five days a week. Yeah, it was bit- like placement, which is even fucking worse because you're like, yeah, you're not even bitch. getting paid. Um, and you're doing all the shit jobs. Yeah, and I'm, like, running after some man who's, like, pissing on the floor, trying to <laughs> mop it up. God. Being like, wow, I can't believe this is my life. Um, <laughs> just wanting to scream it, like, my sister just died! <laughs> and I'm mopping your piss up because you're drunk. Oh, oh my good God. Times. <laughs> that was a lot. And disgusting. Um, yeah, but, like... The feeling of slowly crawling out of something like that is also, like, really rewarding as mm. well. Maybe rewarding is the wrong word, but freeing. it's um, freeing and it's, like, 
when you start to experience joy again, it almost feels like more joyful because you've been in such a dark place. Oh, absolutely. Like having those, having that like fog slowly kind of dissipate was so, I don't know. I just like felt so elated at times. So it's like, oh my gosh, I'm actually like kind of feeling happy well, again. Well, I feel like you, you hadn't expe- experienced grief to that degree before in your life. No. You were what, 26? Yeah, 27. Yeah, 27. So you were 27. You hadn't experienced grief to that degree before. And so you, like, I I do think there's, like, a saying. It's, like, I don't remember the saying. But, you know, when you do experience something so dark, Mm. like, of course, when when you do see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's going to feel a lot brighter. Yes. Because it's, like, finally. Like, you have Mm. the contrast is so vast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do, I do think the only thing with grief as well is the only thing that truly helps is time. Mm, absolutely. Um, and grief is the weirdest beast. It is just, even now, like it's been three years this July since going through all of that. And it's still kind of like knocks still, you off your feet sometimes. Yeah, like some days mm. I'm like, Ugh, like takes your breath away. It's just so all consuming. But obviously, um, yeah. I, I truly think time is the only thing that can really help with that whole kind of process. And not that it makes it any easier that you've lost that person, but just sort of, I guess, the emotional toll some somewhat dissipates over time. Shock wears off. The shock wears off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And do you think you, you know, you've come, you've sort of moving out of, and obviously grief isn't linear, we know that you feel different all the time but Mm. you've come out of that like deep kind of pit of depression yes do you feel like your anxiety like your what's what's remained like that kind of health anxiety yeah like the health anxiety stuff which sometimes I'm like is that really I don't know if that is like related to or just cell passing away or if it's just myself but to be fair like I've had conversations, yeah, one, who knows? And two, I have had conversations like with my family and stuff about this and like my like brothers and things and they were all like, yeah, no, like I've definitely been like a bit on edge about it as well yeah. here and there. So, I mean, I think it's a somewhat normal experience. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. My health anxiety is definitely something that's really peaked in the last few months and it's circumstantial yes it's not it's not normal or nice for someone to have some kind of rogue illness every single month from october to february no like that was cooked um and even my like gp he was like um namie i would feel how you feel if i'd had as bad a run of sickness as you'd have um yeah and to be fair update guys my health anxiety has somewhat improved because i'm doing quite well at the moment just yeah. gonna touch a little bit of wood. Yeah, good idea. Uh, so uh, yeah, you haven't you haven't been sick in a little while. Yeah, stop saying that, Erin. Well, I mean, you're gonna get sick again in your lifetime. Thank you. I just don't want that to happen anytime soon. It won't. I need a bit of a longer gap. Okay, God, if you're listening, just give me a longer gap, please. <laughs> We gave you the just limelight last episode. If you can do us a solid, we need a gap in the sickness. Give me a little solid, darling, and <laughs> give me a f- just a couple more months of, like, feeling good, okay? That's all I need. Uh, yeah. But, no, Thank my health sure. anxiety is definitely still triggered by, like, on Sunday, for instance, I worked with someone and they were sick. And I'm sorry, but this person was coughing without their mouth covered and they looked like shit. Oh, my gosh, I was so triggered. I was like, go home. Why are you here? I got so angry at them. And then <laughs> at that night, I went Sorry, I was, sorry. No, when I, when I was going to bed then, I was like, oh, was I mean? <laughs> was I being mean because of my own anxiety? I mean, don't go to work if you're sick. 
I know, we work in healthcare for crying out loud. I know, I do have the luxury to work from home when I'm sick, so I just want to want to say that not everyone has that. Yeah. Um, can't, can't provide healthcare from the comfort of your couch, unfortunately. Unfortunately not. Yeah. Who knows, I was like, who knows what the future holds? Uh, so I have hardly any sick leave, so if you make me sick, I'm going to be so PO'd. Fair. Anyway, uh, yes, so I definitely still feel anxious about certain things. It's just I've accepted it as a part of who I am as a person. Hmm. There's no point trying to fight against it. I do feel I feel like I do a lot of exposure therapy sort of things. I'm trying to walk into my anxiety more than avoid it. So hmm. that's a little bit about me, I suppose. Definitely experience anxiousness and depressive kind of times in my life, irrespective of grieving or related to grief. But yeah, let's let's jump into a bit of your journey, darling. That's different for the both of us. Yeah, very much so. I feel weirdly nervous. I don't know why my heart's beating so fast. That's okay. Have you had a, too many coffees or something? <laughs> no, I just had one. Um, um, to be fair, like I'm tr- I'm trying not to cry. So, um, if <laughs> yeah, you, you almost set me off before. Yes, yeah, like, sorry. To please don't make eye contact. No, no. I, yeah, we're, um, we're literally not looking at each other in the eye. <laughs> I've been staring at that fucking picture on the wall. I've been staring at that weird pig statue. (laughs) We're not at our own homes. Um, Yeah, so I guess a little bit about my journey. Um, I don't really know where to start, but I don't think I was an anxious kid. I don't remember being an anxious kid, Mm. like a little kid, as in like preschool. Um, I don't remember being anxious. I was like a pretty carefree child, I think. Um, I remember the, the immediate kind of onset of of anxiety for me was grief was Mm. um like going through the shock of losing my older sister and how old were you when that happened just for the people Uh, 11 11 yeah jeez that is so young maybe almost 12 you would have almost been 12 i think so you would would have been turning 12 i think i was either turning yeah something like that anyway yeah young young but not too young to know what was going on Mm. um and I remember just yeah being so shocked like just the shock the the shock was a lot for me and then obviously my parents were deep 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 grief like were really wading through like some dark waters and um my sister was a little bit younger so she maybe had um we, we just dealt with it in different ways, I think. And then I, um, I, I remember just sleeping a lot. I was just going to say, you just slept a lot. Yeah. I remember people would come, would come to the house, like in those, you know, days following. And, and we were like, I remember I mean, Loki being annoyed. Cause they'd be like, oh, Erin's sleeping. I'd be like, well, someone wake her up. I'm fucking <laughs> it's here. It's fucking 4pm. <laughs> um I remember just like I would lay I don't think I was like actually asleep like I remember I would lay on people's laps and just kind of close my eyes like I think by way of like not being like bothered or yeah oh hi sweetie like how you going how the fuck do you think I'm going (laughs) down my sister just died yeah I was like I was quite um quite traumatized I think Mm. um but yeah I just remember that time being really dark Dark in terms of had my eyes closed for most of it and also (laughs) just really really like I just remember the shock being like genuinely traumatizing of course yeah just being like I mean for reference she died in a car accident so there was no build-up it was one day she was there the next day she wasn't yeah which is interesting because I feel like that's a real difference in our experiences of grief 
at least for Sal, we kind of always knew that she wouldn't be around for a super long time. So it was almost like a longer goodbye. But does that ever make it better? Like, no, I, it doesn't I make it better. Like, it makes it like different, sh- I think. Sh- yeah, different. Mm. But I feel like the shock of them not being there the next oh, day is still it, shocking. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. I think the concept of death, and I was so young. So this is these are thoughts that I've had, you know. As an adult. Reflecting. Yeah, yeah. as an adult. But the concept of death is shocking. Like, mm-hmm. it's truly a shock to the system. To be with someone one day, whether life is completely normal and they're in 100% health or not, and then for them literally just to not be there the next day, oh, it's I wild. think is so confronting. Yeah, completely. Whether you're... Something our little pea brains cannot comprehend. Oh, my God, no. And, like, my little, little pea brain. Like, I was 11. So I think I I really, like, found it hard to navigate that. And I remember feeling like a real, um, not a pressure from anyone, but, like, just putting putting this, like, um, like, giving myself, I don't even know the word, like, this responsibility of Mm. being, like, a pillar of strength for people and, like, no one was asking me to do that. Like I was 11, <laughs> but yeah. I really felt like I had to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that really, I was able to grieve in the sense that like any kid is able to navigate grief. It's, you know, like I've said, you're shocked. You're trying very hard to kind of wade through the waters, keep things like fairly light. I felt like really like I had to kind of brand things up and keep people happy and keep people moving and like ask if I could go to school so that like, mm. you know, people's days could resemble some some normalcy, like try yeah, and keep things wow. like that. So I remember like consciously thinking those things, but then also I think I have really like trauma blocked so many things. I have the worst I literally think I have early you... early onset dementia. Like I have <laughs> the most horrendous memory of any 28 year old I've ever met yeah and I think a lot of it is just kind of blocking out things um so yeah I remember that which is see the brain almost intentionally does that though as like a protective mechanism I mean props to my brain I'm I'm grateful for it brainy I need it mommy needs it yeah um so yeah I remember that being being a lot I, I don't I don't honestly I don't have much memory of like I remember then being really anxious to go to school I remember my mum mm. would have to drop me off at school because it got to the point where she was like you can't just drop you're in your six baby you can't drop out yeah of school. I remember, I remember um, not going to school a lot and she would be like I have to drop you off and you have to stay there and I remember for a whole term she would drop me off at school crying I would go to the sick bay immediately she would drop me off at the sick Aww. bay crying I would stay Poor there till three thing. o'clock and she would pick me up from the sick bay crying Aww. like that was just like our lives like that's what I had to do and I remember, oh my God, I feel so sad. Yeah, it is sad. I don't know why I'm getting upset, but I remember what it What do you mean? Like, it's upsetting. <laughs> I remember it being so, like, overwhelming. And I think now that I'm much older and much more, like, mentally well, I think, like, I just feel so bad for, like... That little girl. Yeah, yeah. like, I'm just like, oh, that's so rough, like, it having is. to having to navigate that. But anyway... I don't and probably remember. like being a mum as well and thinking. Yeah, I think like, like I have a lot of empathy. I just can't imagine like my kids having to go through something mm. like that. And I think that really like impacts the way that I now feel about it. Mm. And also, I just think that I'm in a really good place now where I'm able to like really practice a lot of like. Put, like use a lot of perspective and a lot of present like get, be really present and that's what's helped me really navigate my way out of a lot of like mm-hmm. mental health struggles because I remember you know following that like I was I was okay for a few we had a lot happen in those years with you know other 
family members and other things that were confronting confronting as well. yeah, yeah like very i think and a lot of my trauma like traumatizing as well i think a lot 100%. of the trauma comes comes from the the other things that happened in between but i think once i kind of came out of the other side of that i was probably about 16 mm. um and i remember falling into this really i remember i got like tonsillitis and glandular fever at the same mm. time like i was really really sick and I remembered I didn't leave bed for six weeks. Like, mm. I was I was sick, but I was so, so depressed. Mm. Like, I was really, really, really depressed. I think that's when I had a lot of trouble with eating and body image. And I just felt so dark. I felt like finally, like, maybe I didn't have this pressure to, like, keep anyone afloat. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, my God. Like, now now it's like, you know, it felt like time, time for me to think. Yeah. Um. I don't, and I, I actually remember that the only thing that like helped me navigate out of that was like randomly because I, ha- I've always hated exercising, but it was exercising. Mm. Cause I remember I met Enrico maybe a year after that and I was like pretty heavy into exercise. Um, and it was, the, it was the only thing that helped me. Like I just needed something to, it probably wasn't healthy in that exercise is healthy, but I was probably doing it from like a bit of having a bit of body dysmorphia and, you know, a, a bit of an escape, but mm. When you're, I think when you're struggling with something like that, especially when you're so young, like 16, your brain is still very much, like, forming. Like, I I feel like my brain is still, like, so, so, you know, it's like mush. And I feel like whatever gets you out of it, I think you have to do it. Yeah. Unless it's, like, heroin or something. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) Anything else. Um, And so, yeah, I I found that really helped and I really felt like I came out of the other side and then obviously since then I've struggled with your general bouts of feeling I I wouldn't say depressed in that I've never felt as dark as I did at that time where like Mm -hmm. I literally didn't get out of bed and lived off hydrolyte ice blocks but I think I've definitely felt those feelings creep up but I've just learned how to manage them better the things that I can do to to come out the other side of that um and have like a really really great support like I've always had a good support system but I have a really great support system in Enrico Mm -hmm. and I think that's made a really big difference as well in in his like sometimes toxic positivity but (laughs) we love him for it um but you know it's helped me be able to bridge that just like carry me through there and 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 pull me like back out of those kind of waters I feel like that's really helped um and then the next the next kind of time I can feel being like I can think of being really prevalent in my mental health was being pregnant Mm. like I was that getting getting prenatal yeah and like anxiety and depression was really shocking for me because mm. I was like wow I feel so low but I have so much to be thankful for like I'd just gotten married I was pregnant like I was like loving life I had a good job like but I felt so sad I know I think that's so hard and I think that's such a pressure that people feel is you know maybe you have moments of feeling anxious or depressed all throughout your life everyone will it's a, mm. it's such a part of of living and being in a, the human experience but i think there's this element of being like i shouldn't feel like this like i am living such a privileged life i have a great job great friends you know i live in a beautiful house or whatever it may be 
which I think is it's quite like it's a sad reality of this sort of society that and I I think it ties back to that element of toxic positivity where it's like yeah but you have so much to be thankful for and it's like okay well my brain chemistry is just a little bit cooked at the moment like (laughs) well sorry but I'm struggling yeah yeah I just it's so frustrating though because like you know I feel like people will be like, oh, well, why do you think you're... Well, I have no idea. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I, I think, literally can't give you a reason. Yes, I don't even yeah. know myself. And it's mm. so frustrating to be like, why do you feel like this? Yeah, like, sometimes You have so much to be thankful for. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I'm just... You just have to feel the feels, I think, you know? Yeah. And I it think, doesn't always have to be some grand reason to feel a little bit down or, yeah. you know, feel a bit anxious about something. And I think I've kind of kept the coping mechanism of, like, sleeping when I feel sad Mm. or avoiding crying because I just don't like the way that makes me feel. Um, So proud of you for crying on the pod. (laughs) Thanks, babe. (laughs) Did it on purpose. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Planned um, it. But when I was pregnant, the only kind of solace that I had was that I, I felt like I could, like, blame hormones for everything i was like oh sorry i'm so emotional like it's the hormones or like i'm yeah. so sleepy it's the hormones i know i see that's something i always struggle with you know even like with being a bit premenstrual and maybe just like having a day where i want to cry about everything i'm like oh it's just because i'm hormonal and it's kind of like oh does that invalidate the feeling like yeah it, i find that so tricky particularly Same, as a yeah. woman where it's like and I'm sure when you were pregnant, it's like, fuck, am I just crying because I'm pregnant? And I have this, like, weird surge of, like, yeah. a mixture of all these hormones. And I think the only way to know is hindsight. Like, I know Fully. now there were times in pregnancy when I was being a fucking psychopath, but it was hormones. And then <laughs> you better attribute to that. <laughs> and there were other times, like, when I did feel depressed, which was, like, late second trimester, mm. that I know were genuine feel- were genuine anxieties yeah they were yeah. they were your I was life very, is about to change immeasurably. yeah and I was yeah. very much feeling lonely I didn't really know any other mm. pregnant people and you were so young as well I was 23 I think at the time mm. 24 oh, 24 maybe I think no I was 24 Teen but mum yeah but I just really I really found that like super super difficult and then and then Mars was born Mm. and I didn't I don't remember having my next like I've spoken about this before but I won't go too deep into it because I have kind of addressed it but my next like most you know the the most I struggled with after that was just those kind of six weeks postpartum where I was Mm. like mommy's back I was like oh no she's not what's going on here like I'm still like a bit squishy and a bit overwhelmed and a bit tired and well a lot tired and all of those kinds of things so I think that's that's really hard for a lot of mums I think and it should be spoken about a lot more is just like nothing is going back to normal yeah in quotations because you're you have a new normal now you have Mm a new family to, to navigate and, and, and a new version of yourself to get used to and you're trying to learn who this baby is that you've brought home. And it's a lot to navigate and I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed in that stage yeah. of their lives. I mean, I know I did. Um, but then Mars had, I might, I'll go into the, the my health anxiety, yeah. the joys of um, parental health anxiety. And if you feel like this, let me know because sometimes I feel even to this day feel deeply alone in this like mm. I know you like you placate a lot for me but yeah sometimes I'm just like fuck am I the only one that does this like it's so debilitating I'll get into what this is but um 
when Mars was 18 months old, he had a fever. It's very, like, it's nothing, literally nothing major, but it um, felt major. Well, it's, like, it medically, is... it's not major. As in, no, it's no, not as in, like, he was fine, but I think the process of it all happening is incredibly confronting. Yeah. Especially so, for a tiny little baby. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Sorry, I was like, continue. he was 18 months old, so I was like, I don't know, 26, like, still yeah. super young. I was anyway he had a fever like a really high fever or whatever and I remember like a GP saying to me off oh, his hands are feet and cold it are cold and he's shivering like he's probably quite cold this is not medical advice by the way this is just my experience, experience of what happened yeah. and I was like okay so I had a blanket on him and I remember you saying to me earlier in the day which is wild to me now you said oh don't worry babe he's got a fever the worst thing that can happen is he'll have like a fever Febrile, febrile convulsion. convulsion, which is basically like a, a seizure, and it's 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 the brain's way of protecting itself against the temp- the body's rising temperature, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, just referring to my nursey babe, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Something like that. I'm pretty sure it is. I've I've read a lot about it in my um in your anxious state PTSD. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and then I remember um, um Enrico was giving him a cuddle and he was laying on Enrico's shoulder and we were in bed just late it was probably like ten o'clock at night and I looked over at him and I saw his like eyes starting to kind of roll back into his head and I was like oh like I remember really calmly saying to Enrico maybe I'm not Enrico might listen and be like no you were no you were screaming at me you were screaming um but I remember saying like oh like I'm pretty sure he's having a seizure like what do we do and Enrico is pure calm yeah not. Uh, he may have felt anxious, but he was not giving anxious in any sense. Like, he literally laid him down on the bed, just gently moved things away from him, you know, did all of that first aid shit, and I left the room. I mm. was – I remember my well, mum – to call an ambulance. Yeah, because he was like, go call an ambulance, and I was like – when he said call an ambulance, I think I, – I was literally uh, – uh, I didn't know mm. what to say. I was like, oh, okay, like, he's actually – he actually need, needs help, like, mm. help that – I can't give to him, which was very confronting for me because Mars was very much a mommy's boy. He was breastfed. Like I was like, Oh God, like this poor baby, like what am I supposed to do? And I remember right before I walked out of the room to call the ambulance, this is literally in the time span of maybe seven seconds. I looked back at him and he just like, he just looked terrible. Like Mm. he was like gray. His eyes were rolled in the back of his head and he was convulsing. And I was like, I was terrified yeah and I remember calling the ambulance and I was like look like I don't know and the the lady on the phone I don't know she was really calm she was lovely just like it's fine like can you can you get your husband to time it and Enrique was like I'm already timing it and I was in another room and the ambulance arrived like within two minutes like really Mm. really really quickly and they came in and they stripped him off. And anyway, they, they went about doing all of their paramedic things and, and, and helped him. And I remember him just laying on the bed, like, basically, like, you know, conscious, but, like, very limp and out of it and just staring at me across the room. And he just looked so sad. Like, mm-hmm. I just felt, like, the most helpless I've ever ever felt in my life and at the time I didn't know that it wasn't a big deal so I didn't know anything about them so I was mm. like what what's happening to him like is he okay and I remember the the paramedic being like he's fine like this is very normal he's like you know how long did it go for like was it like 30 seconds and 
my husband was like, no, no, it was, it was like almost three and a half minutes. Like it was quite long. Mm. And he was like, all right, like, let's take him to the hospital. Super chill. Let's take him to the hospital. What? Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we go to the hospital. He ends up being absolutely fine. He stays, I think a night or two because he had like a bit of a problem with his heart rate, which I think is normal, like post yeah, fever kind of thing. Oh, with a fever. Yeah. It's incredibly normal. Yeah. So, but they wanted to keep him for observation anyway. I have just struggled with the most debilitating health-related kind of anxiety, especially in relation to Mars, ever since, and he's four. So it's now been, you know, two and a half years. If he gets a fever, and I'm saying, I'm talking like, if the boy gets a cold. Yeah. I am just, my heart starts racing. It's always at night too. Mm. If a kid's getting sick and I know, if you know, you know. If they're getting sick, they're getting sick at 11 p.m. <laughs> GPs are not open. <laughs> and I just, it happens every time. And I, I just, I freeze. I message mm. you because I'm like. Yeah, like panic station. I don't now, but I used to. But um, I. Okay. <laughs> you definitely still message me now. I have not messaged you since we. Babe, you just messaged me the other week when he was asthma-y. No, about asthma. Oh. I and mean, if he's like actually sick with like a temperature and like a, a bug, I wouldn't message you about it now. Yeah. Okay. I haven't since you since we spoke. No, but he's 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 pretty good now. Mm. He's been sick a few times. (laughs) Um, But no, but I just (gasps) I really really struggle when he's ill now. I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but I find it debilitating. I'm sure there is other other parents. Every time he's sick, I just find myself crying. I'm like I'm so Mm. overwhelmed by it. I just find it so impossible to deal with is there anything that you kind of like tell yourself that's reassuring about it like is there any way you can sort of like change the narrative a little bit and be like he's older now the chances of a febrile convulsion are so you know what it is it's not it's not the febrile convulsion that i'm scared of now because i feel like if that happens it's like well i know that it's like not normal but you know it's like a defense mechanism it's also for very the body. unlikely at four and a half yeah it's not that that i'm scared of i think that the worry that i have is like what if something's wrong and i'm not catching it like right. i'm his advocate Aww. i'm his like i'm supposed to protect him so what if something what if what if he's got a cough because he's got pneumonia and i don't notice and then he goes into respiratory distress and i miss it and he mm-hmm. has quite bad asthma, so then I, like, worry about that. And it's it's things like that. And I, I start catastrophizing in my mind. Mm-hmm. Enrico hates it. He's very, like, gentle with me, but he fucking hates it. And I'm like, okay, like, cool. Like, he's got a sore belly. Like, where's your belly sore? He's four. He doesn't fucking know where his belly's sore. Just, it is sore. His belly is also the size of my palm. Like, <laughs> how's he supposed to know? And he just, like, points to his belly. I'm like, okay. Okay. I'll be dealing with appendicitis here. <laughs> what are we dealing with here? It is so I like it's funny, but it's oh it sorry, is truly, I, sh- like, I, I shouldn't laugh. No, it is funny because it's fucked, but it's debilitating. Like yeah, and this is this is running through my head all night. Just I'm waking constantly. Enrico, go check, go check Mars's breathing. The boy's four. Mm. If he's in respiratory distress, he's gonna wake up and let me know. Yeah, and I I just hate it. Mello, I don't feel like that as much with because she's breastfed, and I feel like it, it gives a it gives me a bit of comfort. Yeah, like I'm doing what I can for her, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I just I think being a parent, it's like I am their advocate. I am the person that's gonna protect yeah, them. Yeah, you're responsible they, for their lives. Yeah, which thank is you. a lot. That's it's a lot. It's it's a lot. Not you, just you, Enrico as well. Yeah, but then I feel like he's so blase. Yeah. And he's like, babe, they're fine. I'm like... Which, like, most of the time they are fine, chill. but um, 
There does, I, I, yeah. That's the other thing. They've never not been fine other than that one time. I know, that one time. And he was very obviously not fine. Mm. I just, yeah, it's, I really do find it so, so, so hard to deal with because, you know, kids get sick all the time. I know. Whether it's like a 24-hour temperature, a sore belly because he drank too much fucking milk or something. Like, (laughs) they get sick all the time and... I, yeah, I just find it really debilitating. And sometimes it, like, I know, I've noticed in the last, like, six or so months, like, it's really, like, getting me down. Like, when he does get sick and I feel like that, like, I get really frustrated at myself mm. because I would, I'm, like, a fairly logical person. Like, I know, I know he's fine, mm. but I just freak out about it. And it's like, for fuck's sake, like, relax, boo. Like, it's going to be okay. It will but, be okay. Is there other things that you do that you do find helpful? Or is it just, do you think one of these things that you're just going to have to kind of trudge through until he's like a little bit older? I think it's a little, a little bit of both. I think the only thing that I do that is helpful, and I can't remember the name of it, but I just saw it on Instagram one day and this lady was talking about practicing, um, like using using your gut or using your brain and not your gut or something like that. I can't remember. Honestly, I don't remember, but basically like when he's, when Mars is feeling sick or, or when he's got a really high fever and he's shivering. Cause he's a real shiverer when he has a high fever, mm. like he'll lay there literally like red in the face, shivering like a leaf. And I'm mm. like, sir, are you okay? Yeah. Mummy's panicking, um, darling. But the thing I've like started trying to practice is like listening to my intuition. It's like not thinking about what could happen or what might happen or where we might be in an hour or two hours or even 10 minutes from that time. But think about what am I doing right now for him and what could someone else do for him right now? So I do like I've checked that he's not using his accessory muscles to breathe. I've made sure that his fever is under control. I've given him Penadol. He does, he's not wearing too many layers. He's had his asthma puffer. There's nothing else that, like, the emergency room could do mm. that I'm not already doing. Yeah. I try and do that. So, like, just, like, reason with myself. Mm. Or, you know, like, knowledge is power. So, like, I'll – I try and, like, know a lot about, like – little things that could happen or you know what to yeah. do in the case that they choke but or sometimes, something like that and talking to my cousin who is a midwife slash lactation consultant she goes to like new mum's homes all mm. the time and she says a lot of what the problem is is that we know too much and we mm. know too much to the point where we overthink things and we oh. look into things too <laughs> much and there's all these first aid instagram pages and stuff like that and it's like you end up just kind of scaring yourself. Oh, that's literally me. Yeah. Now, now if I see things related to contracting something or some weird thing that you can get from being on a plane or I don't know, just living fucking life, I'm just like, I'm not watching it. I'm not engaging with that. And I think as well, that would be something helpful for you is not to like overconsume. Sorry. I'm not a mum. I don't want to tell you as a non mum what to do as a mum, but I just feel like knowing how anxious you get about it and how debilitating the anxiety can be for you. It's like, I feel like overconsuming or being too informed is almost more dangerous at times. Uh, No, I, I agree. I think, I think information is helpful in the sense that like, if one of my kids were to choke, I know what to do. Yeah. But then information in the sense of like every, like, you know, my kid had a mild fever and I took them to the emergency room and they had fucking like 
leukemia and almost oh, leukemia I, oh. meant to, I didn't mean to say leukemia well. I meant to say pneumonia <laughs> my bad um pneumonia and like almost died and I'm like well fuck yeah see my that, kid's sick too what if my kid has pneumonia and about yeah like just unfollow so block that shit out I know I need to it is it is that's like I would say that's my main like the driver of almost all of my anxiety now and then like navigating that is just so exhausting some days because it's Mm. like I'm already tired from dealing with them all day and I feel like when you're when you're raising children and you have underlying kind of anxieties or you know I've experienced quite (laughs) deep depression so sometimes that flares up sometimes I think fuck like what would be life be like if you know my sister hadn't passed away or other things hadn't happened you know what what additional support would I have in my life or what what different things would I be navigating and and that's really hard. And Mars asks a lot of questions about her and is really, like, inquisitive. And, like, when he sees a rainbow, he's like, oh, my gosh, there she is. Like, mm. she's saying hi. And, like, it's so beautiful to have him connect with her in, in that way because, obviously, he never has and never will meet her. But it's also a lot because it's like, yeah. oh, like – he needs like a logical explanation. He doesn't doesn't have any empathy for me in that sense. He's mm. four years old. Like he has no idea. So it's like sometimes I find it really like overwhelming, and it makes me really miss her a lot. And then I'm navigating like you know just those like those later stages of grief that just flare up out of nowhere because it's not linear at all. With like children who 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 need a hundred percent of me and don't understand that mm-hmm. and aren't allowed aren't able to like give me any grace there, which it's not their fault at all they're literally little kids and I would never want to place like my own emotional kind of like turmoil like onto their shoulders and I really try and keep that from them in a healthy way like they're able to see me cry and to experience a range of emotions believe me (laughs) but um just not you know like bombarding them with that or making Mm. them worry about that and feel like they need to fix it for me yeah I think is really hard as well and I feel like other parents would really be able to relate to that whether it's day-to-day anxieties or a bad day at work making you feel really overwhelmed or if it's you know big life changes or impactful things that are that are like thrust upon you and and navigating things like shock and I, I you know like fuck hats off to any parent that is you know wading through the early stages of grief with with kids at any age, but especially little kids or kids who are impacted by grief. You know, mm-hmm. I was one of the, those kids and I just like, I, I, I cannot imagine having to do that for my kids. Like mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I just don't even, that's something that I like refuse to think about, you know, like I refuse to think about like dying or anyone close to us dying now that I have kids because I literally just don't, I can't. No. That's something that I that I practice like to to keep myself like sane is mm. I just block it out like yeah. like this is and what honestly, we're living right now. I don't now. think I think there is some like people always like don't bury your feelings or don't like push things down and it's like actually sometimes you just have to because it's the only way to kind of get through and we also live in a very like over therapized sort of society Mm. where it's like striving like be the best you can be like don't be anxious don't be depressed get heaps of help have a life coach have a therapist have a nutritionist have a dietitian and it's like okay well you know what being anxious and depressed is just a normal part of life and also 
Also, who can afford that? Yeah. And who has the time? Where the I can barely squeeze in is... my fifty-minute session with Liz once a fortnight. Like, how how are you how are you finding that from a like you've you obviously took the plunge like more recently to kind of mm. see a therapist to deal. Yeah, with and the look, anxiety I think, you're experiencing. Yes, and I kind of want to touch on just. There's definitely other points in my life where I probably would have benefited from speaking to someone. Mm. Um, but I also don't think that's for everyone. I don't think that's something that's helpful for every single person. And I think there is some level of pressure to like, you should go to therapy. Go to therapy. I like feel therapy, a lot of that pressure. Therapy is where it's at. And it's like, okay, yeah, for some people it's really helpful. Mm. But I don't think for every single person therapy is the answer. I also think Which putting names the- controversial to say, but I just... No. I don't think everyone's going to find that helpful. But I think as well putting the pressure... Like, I'm sure as well, same as you, there, there was a time in my life where... I would really would have benefited mm. off seeing a therapist and probably like really <laughs> deeply needed one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But this right now, I feel like for the last, you know, the last few years, Enrico has kind of said to me every now and again, like, oh, why don't you go and see someone? Like, maybe it would help mm. if you talked about things. I'm like, this point in my life is not conducive with therapy. Like, yeah. I cannot be going and talking to someone and literally bawling my eyes out for an hour mm-hmm. shut off and go deal with the kids for the next eight I can't mm. do that I, this is yeah. this is not in a time of my life where I can dredge up all of the trauma of the past and and navigate through that and try and, and you know fix in quotation marks that for myself it's just not right now I'm not in a headspace where I am able to do that and I think that's really empowered me in in deciding like now's not the time for me yeah like um I mean to be fully transparent I did inquire about like seeing someone in towards the end of the year recently because I think it would be good eventually to talk to someone but now's not the time with two Mm -hmm. little kids that need you know all of all of the extra parts of myself that I have aside from work and Mm. and a social life and a marriage and all of that kind of stuff like I can't be sitting in a room talking about my feelings (laughs) and bawling my eyes out and then thinking about it for the next three days because I am such, I dwell on everything and I'm such a control freak. Yeah. Like that's just like, it's not the time. Whereas I feel like for you, it's now is a great time to be doing that because if you do decide to have kids, it's going to give you like some tools. Yes. To be able to get through Which is interesting because like Liz is the lady that I'm, like meeting with sort of like once a week or once every fortnight and it's been nice in the sense of she kind of just like gives me the space to feel whatever kind of comes up and I go into every I've had maybe three or maybe four like meetings Mm. with her now and I go into each one being like I'm not gonna cry this time like I'm feeling pretty good I don't think I'm gonna cry and honestly within like five or ten minutes I'm crying um <laughs> that's how I felt starting this episode yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like no tears for me not necessary I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually yeah shocked that you cried proud I could cry at the drop of a hat um but yeah I have found just kind of having her to talk to really helpful um Mm. and I think as well for me it's helpful because I know that that's her specific role in my life is to just support me through feelings emotions being anxious feeling depressed I've spoken to her about having an eating disorder grief health anxiety all of these things that do kind of impact my mental headspace Mm. and I it feels really cathartic just to get everything off my chest she holds a little bit of space for me to do that 
And I don't feel like guilty for it because I know that's her role in my life, which is really kind of freeing in a way. Whereas I think for other people, sometimes it's a struggle to open up or feel the feelings they need to feel because they can't, maybe they feel it. Like I've definitely felt like, oh, it's not really like my friend's job to, you know, really kind of like share the load with me kind of thing. I've always like been mindful of like not putting too much onto other people. Yeah. Which is like kind of sad because... It is sad and I think it can be to your detriment sometimes. Yeah. Because... And I'm very much like I won't share until I'm kind of at breaking point. Yeah. Like how many times have I like walked into your house and I just like have sat down and been like, I'm sorry, I have to cry. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, like what's been happening? Like I've been feeling like so sad for two weeks and you're like, why didn't you say anything? Because you're, you're, you're not like, you are an open book and there are times when it's, it's impossible to read you as in you're giving off happy, light, (laughs) yeah, high vibes. And I think a lot of that is that... Inside, I'm suffering. <laughs> yeah, and then you come and you're like, <laughs> what do you mean? I've been feeling depressed for a month. I'm like, what the fuck? You could have told me. I know. I don't know but, why I do that. Well, I think, I think, you, I think it's, it's exactly what you said. It's because you don't, you don't want to offload on, on the people that you love. And you've said to me before that you don't want to come in my house and, and be like offloading on me when I have two kids. But the thing is, like, we're adults and we have to... Like, when I... When I yeah. No. <laughs> I feel 15, but anyway. When I unload like unleash all of these feelings onto you i'm i am hoping that you're able to exercise you know some caution and not not just like bombard yourself with that so, for the next oh, week you i know? feel like that's something Which, actually my dad taught me from quite a young age because i've had a few sort of problematic friends yeah. throughout like my teenage years and early 20s and things and he was always like you can support someone and you can do it really well but you can do it without completely taking on how they're feeling, what they're going through. Because ultimately, at the, end, at the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself. Yeah. And even though I think with mental health issues, it can really be tricky to get the help if it's something that you really need to do. It's like just the reality of it is like you're truly the only one that can help yourself. Like yeah. you can offload to friends and have so many conversations about these things. Which can help. Like it can, it can help you sometimes understand. Sometimes that's all people need, like a little yeah. chat with a friend or something. Also, sometimes those, those having those conversations when, you know, when I do have them, sometimes that is helpful for me in understanding how I'm feeling it's like oh that's that's what that feeling is Mm. oh actually yeah you'll ask me a question like oh do you think maybe it was oh yeah actually was that like yeah that's what I needed I needed I needed someone to help me like wade through the dark and like I'm feeling lighter now because I've realized what the what the root cause was or whatever but I think you you as a person have to trust that you telling me how you feel I'm also grown up enough to be like like have empathy for you and love you and help you navigate that without putting it all on my own shoulders and feeling the weight of everything you're feeling in every other day of my Mm. life, you know? I feel like that's something that you can, like, work on, babe. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's good having, like, a purposeful kind of person to do that as well. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even think it needs to be, like, a therapist or a psychologist sometimes. There's a lot of people who dabble in this sort of, like, holistic kind of coach kind of realm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, sometimes all you need is just a person who's going to be like, yep, I totally hear where you're coming from. That really sucks. That's really shit. Like, sometimes you just need that kind of validation or, you know, 
just other person who's like, yeah, like being a human is really fucking hard sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah, it is. It truly is. And that's all. Being human is fucked. And just to conclude, uh, human human life is cooked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, I think you know, the, the whole purpose of us talking about this was just, like, to, to say that we all are navigating so many things all of the time. We need to be, you know, empathetic towards one another and also just like take how we feel into our own hands as well like do what you can to manage those feelings as they come up and talk to people where you can and all of those kinds of things but if you have any um any tips i mean honestly incredibly we could use them we would we're gonna do eat them up yeah we're gonna do um an episode in a few weeks where we kind of try a few different wellness type things that will um maybe be able to report back on and and share if they you know change our lives i'm expecting to be a new woman oh yes okay love that just before we maybe before we wrap this episode up Mm. is there any specific kind of things that you do now to keep a kind of well mental health space Mm, no like tangible things i think (laughs) no i do nothing thanks for listening no no, like i mean i go to the gym which i enjoy haven't been in a while he um i try and practice being really present so when I'm thinking about things that happened in the past I try and be really like what's happening now what do I have in my life now like I am not the child that I was when I was 12 I don't have to deal with those things I'm not being put in that position so just like really trying to be present and then avoiding things that I find triggering like learning what 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 is triggering for me there are different things that like pop up on TikTok or whatever I'm like oh that's going to be a bit much for me Mm. I'm going to scroll past so just also like trying really hard to be to avoid triggers um those are the main things I think like I'm not I'm just in a phase of I think I've I've also just come to terms with the fact that I'm in a phase of my life right now where managing and getting by is most important for me I feel Mm. happy day to day there's no I don't have any deep dark feelings that I'm trying to navigate every single day so I feel like I'm doing everything that I can yeah um but yeah maybe you know maybe in future I'll decide to see a therapist or something like that just to help me break down the triggers and and heal from those but for now like (laughs) avoidance is working is that is that unhealthy i think in this day and age like sometimes you just have to yeah yeah like you can't live every day going through every single emotional fault that you have or every kind of triggering feeling like yeah you just can't it's not realistic and also like for me it's like what benefit is dredging up the past gonna do right now in this stage of my life at some point maybe it'll like also maybe not ever like yeah maybe not you know what i mean yeah what about you you're seeing obviously seeing liz obviously seeing liz illy liz uh that has been helpful uh i guess prior to that some other things that i would do is when i was really experiencing like difficult moments of anxiety and things like that i would just write it all out mm. like I've, i have this book i carried around with me and i just write like big i'm showing erin right now I'll just write big, like, long, 
like depressing things about how I am feeling. Love that. Love so that. beautiful. I just feel like getting it out of my head and getting it into some kind of like physical book is really helpful for me. Um, so I will do that. <laughs> Which is called a diary. It's called a diary. Is, is that what a diary is? <laughs> no, it kind of helps. Like I just like spew it all out into my diary and get it out of diary around is in my giving head. Diary. It's giving 12 year old. That's why I don't like journal? it. Yeah, journal, whatever. Yeah, diary by me. Thank you yeah, very much. Sorry, the book. The book. The book of truth. I hope no one ever finds it or reads it. Uh, <laughs> Got my fucking hands on it now. <laughs> um, um, yes, yeah. that's what I'll do. I will do walkies, like listen to a podcast, which is probably just some way to distract yeah, myself. Yeah, honestly, a lot the, of the therapy time. that a good little walkie and iced coffee gives me, mm. maybe unbeatable. Maybe you're what? The therapy that I get from, like, a walk and a nice coffee. Oh, right, yeah. Unbeatable. Oh, unbeatable. Yeah. Th- unbeatable? Is that not a word? No. Oh. Yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure. I thought you said something else. I thought you said beatable. <laughs> Beat or beetle or something. Anyway. Okay. Uh, we're getting hungry. There. <laughs> We actually spoke for such a long time. So if you're still here, thanks well, for hanging in. Thank you. But um, yeah, life's kind of cooked. If you need to healthily distract yourself at times, I just mean go for it. Whatever, whatever we're works. Advocates for that. Yes. Um, we love you all. We'll be back next week with an episode that I'm really excited for. I'm not going to say what it is, but I'm really excited. Oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, well, you'll cool. be excited too then. Yay! Be a surprise to you. Amazing. All right, love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.